Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Thursday, May 20th, 2021. On today's episode of the show, we're going to be talking about the latest film and TV news. My name is Ben Pearson. I'm the senior writer at SlashFilm.com, and I am joined on today's episode by Slash Film writers Kwai Trambui. Hey, everyone. And Chris Evangelista. Hello. All right, guys. So I just wanted to start off real quick with a couple of brief additions to the Knives Out 2 cast. Uh, Kate Hudson has been added to the cast and Leslie Odom Jr. Um, Leslie Odom Jr. most recently starred in One Night in Miami. He was in uh, Hamilton. He played Aaron Burr in that. So you probably know him from there. Uh, Kate Hudson, of course, the rom-com queen from the, uh, the, the early aughts. Um, again, just like everybody else who's been involved with this, we have no idea what characters they're playing, um, or anything about the plot or anything like that. But, uh, I just thought, you know, since we've talked about all the other Knives Out 2 editions, I just want to keep our listeners updated in case they're not, you know, obsessively checking slashfilm.com and and seem to, and, and somehow missed this casting news. So, um, anybody have any thoughts on either one of these before we jump into our next thing? It's okay if you don't, I'm just curious. Uh, I do think it's interesting that Leslie Odom Jr. was in Murder on the Orient Express, and now he's in this, which is like pretty much <laughs> jumping off that same Agatha Christie yeah. multiple suspects thing. And then beyond that, the Kate Hudson news just had me sort of like, oh, like <laughs> I don't dislike Kate Hudson, but I feel like that this that's like the least exciting casting they've announced so far. Like it just yeah, feels it's... like. It's, it's definitely like, out of left field. It's like maybe, you know, maybe that'll, you know, maybe this is Kate Hudson's big comeback or something, but I, you know, I've never been like, Ooh, a Kate Hudson movie. I got to see this. So I, 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 I am like nonplussed by her casting. Yeah. I, I mean, I've seen, um, how to lose a guy in 10 days and, and obviously like almost famous and, and some of the other movies that she's in, but I, I missed a lot of the romantic comedies that she was in. Cause I just like was not at a not place. Very good. Okay. <laughs> I was going to ask, I was going to eventually get around to see HT if you had, had, uh, had checked out any of those you you know, know, back in the day. I actually do like How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. I think it's a fun uh, kind of trashy rom-com that Kate Hudson's very charming in. But yeah, mm-hmm. I, I would say that she's also the least exciting casting of this group. But my one thing is maybe she'll be doing some kind of self-skewering type of character 
along the lines of who Tony Collette played in the first Knives Out, which mm-hmm. I think would be really interesting and be a, a very self-aware way of her playing into the type of character that she has often played for the past you know couple decades. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think this could be, you know, like Chris said, maybe like a Tarantino style uh, career resurrection kind of thing, because she's been making some borderline questionable uh, career decisions lately. I feel um, like she hasn't has she done anything? She hasn't recently? been in anything. She's been she's been doing her Fabletics line. Yeah, she has like yoga wear or she something. She's in that <laughs> movie called Music that Sia did. Oh, oh my yeah, god! I forgot about that. <laughs> about the that. one that was just oh. completely. Uh, yeah, everyone, everyone was very upset with that movie. So maybe, yeah, maybe she yeah. needs this um, palate cleanser here. But yeah, I kind of agree with HT. I feel like she's she's actually pretty good in How to Lose a Guy in Ten Days, like in terms of uh, embracing the character type that that she was asked to play there. And I, I think. Uh, yeah, I, I trust in Ryan Johnson when when all is said and done, I trust that he knows what he's doing when he casts somebody and that she's going to be the right fit for whatever sort of role she has. And I'm, I'm sort of envisioning like some sort of big, um, yeah, like she said, maybe like a, like Anne Hathaway in Ocean's 8 or something, like a fun performance that sort of leans into, yeah, some of her previous stuff. So we'll have to see. Uh, but uh, yeah, I just wanted to open the show talking about that. And then I think every other story that we're going to talk about today involves HBO Max in some way. So let's kick things off with a Harry Potter TV series, HC. It's coming to HBO Max. Aren't you excited? No, because it's a quiz show. (laughs) (laughs) So Warner Media has greenlit an unscripted Harry Potter game show and a retrospective special, which will air on HBO Max and later Cartoon Network and TBS. And it's part of the... HBO Max and Warner Media like laying the foundation for a Harry Potter TV universe of one of which uh, potentially a scripted series which we had reported on a couple, a while ago uh, is reportedly involved in too even though that is not confirmed but um, yeah a quiz show <laughs> something that no other Harry Potter fan has has seen before it, honestly there's been so many quiz and trivia elements of harry potter it just feels like this whole thing is a done deal by now and like we don't really need another platform for trivia but i guess if they want an easy way into starting off the tv harry potter tv universe i guess this is it yeah i'm just i really wonder um if uh the entire jk rowling controversy that that cropped up in the last year if that had not happened would this be an announcement of a like a scripted Harry Potter show? Are they just sort of saying, oh, this is a quiz show, this is a retrospective because they know that it won't drive uh, outrage and and all of that um, because of all of the the controversy there? What do you think, HD? It certainly is the safest choice uh, because, yeah, it's the, the Wizarding World and Harry Potter in general is kind of on the outs right now. The J.K. Rowling and her comments on transgender people have lost a lot of the goodwill that, Harry Potter has accumulated over the past couple of decades. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is actually uh, coming up on the 20th anniversary of the Wizarding World, which is why they're doing this this quiz show in retrospective. But really, it just feels like the safest choice that they could do in terms of launching what they say is the next step in the Harry Potter franchise expansion. So yeah, I think that a lot of it is just them kind of being like, oh, you know, we're going to try to separate Harry Potter from J.K. Rowling and do the mm-hmm. safest thing. I think it was interesting that in the press release, they explicitly said that J.K. Rowling is not involved in this. <laughs> but they did say that um, they were in contact with her team in terms of uh, developing the this unscripted show. So it, it does feel like they're sort of covering their tracks in terms of just 
the rowling of it all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, creating a bridge maybe for and, and just sort of biding their time a little bit until some of that blows over or maybe uh, something else happens, maybe. Um, yeah, who knows? But uh, OK, let's move on to another HBO Max project, um, which is the Batgirl movie. Chris, that film has now found a pair of directors. Uh, indeed it has. Uh, and I'm going to apologize up front if I mispronounce their names. I'm sorry. Uh, Adil Al Arbi and... Bilal Fala, uh, they directed Bad Boys for Life, the third Bad Boys movie. Uh, They've been tasked with directing Batgirl, and Batgirl is headed to HBO Max. And uh, Christina Hodson, who wrote Bumblebee, and she also wrote Birds of Prey, wrote the script. Uh, So that's the Batgirl news we have. Yeah, this is the same movie that Joss Whedon was working on at one point, but he ended up stepping away from it. So now Christina Hodson has taken over on the writing front. And like you mentioned, these guys uh, from Bad Boys for Life are stepping in here. These guys also, for people who are, you know, like up on the the comic book related uh, TV and and movie stuff, they're also, I think, co-showrunners on Ms. Marvel, the upcoming uh, Disney Plus series. So that's cool. Um, They're also directors, too. They've also directed some episodes i believe oh yeah yeah that's right um so chris i just want to ask you about this because uh i think the the news uh about these directors mentioned that this backroll movie is going directly to hbo max and it's like a uh or i guess it's like an hbo max original film it's not going to be something like um you know the, the 2021 slate is being released theatrically and on hbo max at the same time this sounds like that's not going to be the case it's going to be uh, developed specifically for HBO Max. So I was just sort of, I'm of two minds of this because I, I kind of feel like on one hand, um, it feels like, you know, the the optics might not necessarily be great of like, oh, you have a DC female fronted superhero, you know, this Batgirl character a lot of people care about. We're just going to make that on a, as a streaming movie and not like a quote unquote real movie, you know, like a theatrical movie. But then again, like maybe more people would end up seeing it on a streaming service than they would in theaters anyway what, what do you think chris yeah it's it's tough to say like you know the immediate knee-jerk reaction is probably like they don't have enough faith in bad girl and then you could also argue it's it seems very weird that they didn't pick a female director for this because i remember when joss whedon was announced and this was before the more recent uh news about Joss Whedon being a piece of shit came out. Uh, (laughs) Everyone was like, why not hire a female director? And it seems weird that like Joss Whedon walked away and they didn't seek out a female director. Like, don't get me wrong. I think these guys are really good directors based on what I've seen. And what I've seen is bad boys for life. I haven't seen anything else they did, but (laughs) I really like bad boys for life. I went into that movie with next to zero expectations. I was like, this is a third entry in a series. It's probably going to suck. And that movie was surprisingly good. It was it was funny and it was entertaining and it it found a way to make the series like sweet in a way the previous two films weren't because the previous two films directed by Michael Bay are are kind of nasty, especially Bad Boys 2 is a very nasty movie. Mm. So I was like, wow, these guys, you know, they, they were able to make Bad Boys emotional. So I do think they're good filmmakers, but it does seem weird to me that they didn't find a female director and it does seem somewhat weird to me that they're just dropping this on an HBO max. At the same time though, I feel like everyone is sort of unsure on what the future is going to be. Like everyone wants to believe, you know, movie theaters, they're going to bounce back, but you know, we've had a year of people stuck in their homes. We've had a year of people 
wanting to just stream stuff at home. And it, it feels like, you know, maybe they're sort of like hedging their bets over there. They're like, all right, we're going to put some things in theaters, some things directly to HBO max and see what works best. Mm-hmm. But that's, that's also me giving them the benefit of the doubt. For all I know, there's a bunch of male execs at Warner brothers smoking cigars and being like a movie with a girl. No one's going <laughs> to see that. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess it's the same studio that released Wonder Woman. So, um, right. and, and that movie did very well. Um, Batgirl, of course, is not nearly as uh, as iconic a character, but actually, I know you're you're a fan of Batgirl, right? Like the the entire, I know you've spoken at length about your uh, love for the Bat family. I do love the Bat family. And yeah, I like Batgirl. Um, I read the recent, uh, I don't know who, who wrote it, but the recent comics that kind of re- Re- like reimagined her, made her a bit younger and more fun. They kind of tried to appeal to the younger demographic. So yeah, I like her. Um, I am a little disappointed that it's, she's not headed for a theatrical release. I do think that Warner Brothers, especially in the wake of all things COVID and everything, and um, they, I, they're not going to put their faith in their box office faith in any movies that aren't like Superman or Batman or the Justice Leaguers. So. The hence Batgirl headed to HBO Max. Hey, do you think that um, that like general audiences uh, don't distinguish from uh, like don't distinguish in the same way that we do? Like I mentioned a second ago, like oh, the idea of uh, a movie being quote unquote lesser than because it's it's developed for a streaming service. But like uh, you know, I think we might think that, or maybe there's a, uh, or maybe that's even like a a perception that's like a few years old at, at this point and nobody even thinks that anymore. And maybe it's just sort of like a perpetuating cycle of like people writing that in the trades here and there. And, you know, we just keep repeating the same talking point, but at the end of the day, all this stuff ends up as tiles on people's screens and, and streaming services. Do you think like general audiences uh, look at movies in that same with a, you know, a scance a little bit, if it was developed for, for HBO Max, I feel like they, they probably don't care as much as we do about this you stuff. You know, I've actually had that same thought too. I think that at least the general uh, like thought uh, approach is heading in that direction uh, because I've had conversations with people and, and they're like, oh, what good what movies are good to see right now? And I, I talk about movies in theaters and like, oh, I mean, what's good on, on Netflix or what's good on streaming? Mm-hmm. And then I have to have, think in a whole different direction and, and like in a different box. Uh, but for them, it's all the same thing. It's all whatever they can watch most immediately and with the least cost. Mm-hmm. So I, I do think that there is uh, that's what we're headed towards. Yeah, Chris, yeah. do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I think that's true too. I do think we we tend to think of things as, you know, people in the working in the industry and I know like whenever I see my family, which is rare because I don't want to see my family. But whenever <laughs> I see them like on the holidays, they'll be like, "What's a good movie?" And uh, and what they're really asking is, "What can I watch on Netflix?" Like they just think of everything in terms of Netflix, not even like other streaming services. It's just like what's on Netflix right now. So I do think the, the average moviegoer isn't going to be like, how dare they not release bad girl in a theater? They're just going to be mm-hmm. like, Oh, something I can barely pay attention to while I look at my phone for two hours. <laughs> right. Okay. So going from Batgirl to Batman, HT, there's a new Batman animated series in the works. Tell me about this. Yeah. J.J. Abrams, Matt Reeves, and uh, DC Animated Universe 
Titan Bruce Tim is creating a noir inspired take on Batman. It's called Batman the Cape Crusader. It's a new Batman animated series that's described as a reimagining of the Batman mythology. Uh, and HBO Max has given it a straight to series order, uh, which will you know take the the Cape Crusader back to his noir roots uh, while di- diving deeper into the psychology of these iconic characters. So this is um. You know, pretty exciting news. Batman has always thrived in the animated realm, especially under the oversight of Bruce Timm. He's the creator of Batman the Animated Series, the Superman Animated Series, Justice League, Batman Beyond, etc. So he you know, knows what he's doing and he's created some classics. Uh, Batman the Animated Series actually was itself very noir inspired. There was a distinct like 1950s noir style to it before Bruce Timm kind of pulled that back with the later series and went with the more sort of shiny, seamless throwback to 50s animation in general. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think that, you know, doing this, could we could see something akin, maybe like a almost a uh, successor to Batman the Anime series, which I think all three of us uh, love. So that's exciting. But I will say, I think that Bruce Timm's recent works in the DC animated realm uh, have been a little bit questionable to say the least okay i was gonna ask you about this because i have not caught up with any of the stuff because he he, ma- he makes a lot of those like a uh, straight to video um dc projects right still mm-hmm. okay so i haven't seen any of those what what uh what specifically are you talking about there well so do you remember how uh, Bruce Tim would often frequently pair up Batman with Batgirl, for example. And uh, there's this kind of vein of skeeziness through some of the the Batman animated mm. and Justice League animated stuff. That kind of comes out full force in his most recent works, like Batman and Harley Quinn, I think, was one. I didn't even watch it just because I was I, I, I heard of these things that he these creative choices he's made, and I was like, uh, I don't really want to watch that. But um, Bruce Tim is uh i have to say just um his depiction of, of female characters especially and uh of these sort of romantic relationships are a little bit backwards uh is what i'll say so yeah. i just he's, uh, he's horny he's, he's a horny guy he's just a horny guy. okay <laughs> he's really he's, he's really horny, horny. Dog, and yeah. he kind of Reigned that back in the early animated series, but um, if you check out his Instagram, it's like all porn now that he just draws all of these these DC characters in the, in the nude. Are you kind serious? Of yeah. Check, wow. Check out, yeah. I think they're all still up too. He actually has like books of like pinup drawings and stuff like that, and they're mm. really good drawings, but they're also you know horny stuff. Yeah. It's really he's horny. Thing. He's, huh. a he's a horny, horny dude. He's a big yeah. horny. And there's, and there's nothing <laughs> wrong with that. Say it. We should just add: there's nothing wrong with being a horny dude. It's okay. Yes. Uh, but yeah, so I, I wonder whether like his horny tendencies will come out in full force again in this animated series. And like, it's also fine that he's horny, but at the same time, I just like hope that uh, it won't, you know, completely take the. It the won't be gross. Yeah, it won't you be don't gross. want it to be gross. It won't be yeah. too skeezy. Yeah. Well, J.J. Abrams and Matt Reeves don't strike me as particularly horny filmmakers, so maybe if they have a little bit more, uh, you know, input into this thing, they'll they'll be able to balance out some of uh, Bruce Timm's, um, you know, totally okay horniness, I guess. Um, 
So, uh, actually, real quick before we move on from this, um, they released a like a teaser poster, I guess, for this series, mm-hmm. and it's unclear if this is exactly what the final art style of the show is going to look like. But let's operate for a second under the assumption that this is going to be what this looks like. What do you think about the look of Batman in this uh, teaser image? Well, this is clearly a throwback to the beginnings of Batman, as uh, created by Bob Kane and Bill Finger, uh, with the the long horns and i think i feel like this might just be a an like a image from that early run i can't say for certain i don't want to say definitively but it feels very much like that uh versus being an actual piece of art from the animated series so mm-hmm. maybe this is just what it is conceptually they're saying oh this is going to be a throwback this is going to be uh, a 50s 40s style noir and it, this won't be exactly what the animation style will look, will look like Gotcha. Okay. And then, so uh, from now Batman to Superman, uh, there's a new Superman animated series in the works as well. Chris, tell me about that one. Yes. This is called My Adventures with Superman. And this is an animated series that, quote, catches up with 20 something Clark Kent, the bright and driven Lois Lane, and their best friend, Jimmy Olsen, as they begin to discover who they are and everything they can accomplish as an investigative reporting team at the Daily Planet. That's it. That's all I got, Ben. <laughs> so, Chris, did you watch the uh, the Superman animated series that was on, like, you know, maybe the year after or, or sort of concurrently with the Batman animated series? No, you know, I never actually, I think I've seen like one or two episodes, but I was always, I've always been more of a Batman fan. I watched Superman it. Fan. Okay, well, of course you, you did. It, I did. Okay, so a uh, little backstory. Superman the animated series was actually the first of the Bruce Tim animated series I ever watched. I was a little bit young when Bruce when the Batman animated series was on. So I the first my first introduction to Batman was actually through the world's finest crossover from the Superman animated series. And I was like, hmm. I was very frightened of him. I was like, who is this scary man beating people up for no reason? <laughs> so I adore the Bat the Superman animated series. It's just so bright and shiny and optimistic and exactly you know, what you want as an eight-year-old person watching cartoons. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I'm a big fan of Superman. I think he doesn't get his due, and I think that the the Superman animated series really did um, do him justice. Okay. No, no pun intended? or, or... <laughs> Pun intended. Um, so, uh, Chris, what do you think about the show? Is this something that you're going to maybe check out, or are you no. interested in this at all? Okay. Absolutely not. I will watch that Batman thing, because I think that sounds cool, but this just does not sound for me. And I really don't like the, the... The story has like a display of the animation style, and it's kind of like old speed racer cartoon animation yeah, anime <laughs> yeah. and i just i'm i'm not in the mood for this it does not look like it's for me <laughs> You're and such that's a fine. guy chris you're like i <laughs> want the the noir that's right it's gonna be murder show. <laughs> comics are supposed to be dark and for adults i don't need this shit <laughs> um the one cool thing about that image is that uh it looks like jimmy olsen is either going to be like a black or an indian character which is kind of a cool like reinvention of that uh of that character has typically just been like a super nerdy white guy it reminds or me in of Zack um, snyder's version of a covert agent who gets Murdered, shot in the head or something yeah like God. i will point out that for when when they were talking about making um superman lives the kevin smith tim burton movie there was a lot of talk of 
Chris Rock playing Jimmy Olsen. So there's oh. some precedent here. But of course, that never happened. So interesting. And then uh, Jack uh, Jack Quaid is going to be voicing Clark Kent Superman, and Alice Lee is going to be voicing Lois Lane. Um, HD, are you still a, a Jack Quaid fan? Are you like Are you watching The Boys? I know he's in that show. Yeah, I like Jack Quaid. I think he's good and charming. He's got his uh his dad's uh, megawatt smile. So. Yeah, uh, I I think I'll I'll probably watch this just to to prove Chris wrong. Just kidding. I'm gonna check that out. <laughs> cool. All right. So then uh, our final story today involves yet another HBO Max property. This is the series Green Lantern, which is a, a live action show, and uh, this is gonna be a show that that features several green. <laughs> I almost said Green's Lantern, Green's like um, like, like Attorney's plural, General or something. But lantern. that's the correct term, Green's Lantern. <laughs> okay, um, so yeah, a bunch of them are going to be uh, you know popping up in in various forms in this show, and now the series has cast uh, another one. Ashley, tell me about that. Yeah, HBO Max has cut, uh, or is in talks with Jeremy Irvine to play Alan Scott, who is the LGBTQ Green Lantern of the series. Uh, he is in the show a secretly gay FBI agent in the year 1941. Uh, and Green Lantern, to recap, is a show from uh, Arrowverse maestro Greg Berlanti and Arrow slash Legends of Tomorrow co-creator Mark Guggenheim. And it's going to be a time-hopping adventure that follows a multitude of Green Lantern including Alan Scott, Guy Gardner, and probably uh, Hal Jordan, who is the the main sort of Green Lantern. And um, Guy Gardner has already been cast. He's being played by Finn Whitrock, and he is sort of uber-masculine, uber-mensch of the, of the uh, group. But um, Alan Scott is one of the most high-profile gay characters in DC Comics, uh, although he was actually presented uh, – he was actually introduced before Hal Jordan. He predates um, the – main Green Lantern because he uh, was created in 1940. He was uh, the original Green Lantern, a member of Justice Society of America before he sort of disappeared into the ethos as many, um, is the ether as many um, golden age heroes are wont to do Mm -hmm. and was reintroduced in the 2000s as a lantern from parallel earth and then more recently reconceived as a gay character. So what do you think about Jeremy Irvine, HT? Do you are you familiar with his stuff? I know he starred in War Horse. That was like his big break. Um, I don't know if I've seen much from him after that. Yeah, I haven't seen him in anything but Mamma Mia, here we go again. Okay. <laughs> and he played the young Pierce Brosnan and he was fine. I mean, Lily James was really the draw of Mamma Mia, here we go again. So any of the the men dancing around her were just kind of <laughs> superfluous super super superfluous they're they're exchangeable you, you know i i didn't really care for his his character but also he's he at least was a better singer than pierce brosnan <laughs> um chris i'm looking at jeremy irvine's uh filmography right now and he was in the woman in black 2 angel of death did you see that movie do you remember his performance from that i did see that movie but i don't remember anything about, i remember it was not very good but i am uh you know me i'm Team Warhorse over here. So I, uh, yeah, Warhorse War is a great movie. I just want to get that out on the record. You can quote me on that. Warhorse, <laughs> great movie. So, are you excited about this uh, this Green Lantern show, Chris? I feel like we've talked about this before, but just to maybe to refresh the listeners. Uh, I don't know. I've, I've never, I never really got into Green Lantern, so I don't really, I don't have any really opinion on this. I guess I'll wait for like a trailer, but I have nothing like invested in this. Like, I guess. It could be good. I don't know. I just, I've yeah. never I never really got into Green Lantern. You know, it was never one of those things when I was younger or whatever. 
Uh, all right. I think that's going to be for the, all, all we have for today. So that's, that'll bring us to the end of today's episode of Slash Film Daily. If you, uh, the show is published every weekday, bringing the most, most exciting news from the world of movies and TV, as well as deeper dives into the great features you can find on the site. You can find more about all the stories that we mentioned on today's show at SlashFilm.com and linked inside the show notes of this episode. You can subscribe to this show on Apple, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all of the popular podcast apps and send your feedback, questions, comments, concerns, and mailbag topics to us at peter at slashfilm.com. Make sure to leave your name and general geographic location in case we mention your email on the air. Don't forget to rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends, spread the word. Thank you all for listening, and we will talk to you tomorrow.